This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or for His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm Chaplain Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry, and I'm so glad that you're joining us today. I'm so glad that you found us online. It's hard to believe that we're already to the end of May. This is Memorial Day weekend. So with tomorrow being Memorial Day, I just wanted to take a moment and thank all of you that have served or are currently serving in the armed forces around the world. We are so grateful for your sacrifice, for the sacrifices of your family so that we can have the freedoms that we do. So today we honor you and thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We are wrapping up the series of Joshua today. It's been an amazing, uh, challenging four weeks. I've learned a lot about Joshua. I pray that you have too. So we're going to wrap that up today and look at the final chapters. But before we get started, let's open all of this up with prayer. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the timeliness of your word. We thank you for Joshua. We thank you for what we are learning, Lord, that we're able to apply this to our lives. And so today, as we are closing out the book of Joshua, I just pray that you open up our hearts and our ears for what it is that you have for us today. I pray for a fresh anointing, Holy Spirit, that I will speak your truth with love and that no matter what each person is going through today, whether they're watching or listening online, that you will give them the strength, that you will encourage them as we are looking at our inheritance, as we are looking at each of our own promised lands, and that you will help us hold fast to you, Lord. We love you and praise you and thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we get started today, especially if you're joining us for the first time or catching us part of the way through the, the series, I just want to recap over what we've talked about over the last three weeks as we've looked at Joshua. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me right now to Joshua. I just want to take a couple minutes and look at what we've talked about. So in week one, we're starting off reading uh, just those first couple of chapters. Moses has died. Joshua has been appointed the leader of the Israelites. And we're reading about how they're crossing over the Jordan, how they took down the city of Jericho by marching around the walls seven times. It's the supernatural thing that the Lord has done. We talked about how God was with his people, that he was going before them and preparing the way. And we also looked at the importance of obedience, faithfulness, and the importance of cooperating with God. And so if you haven't read those chapters, um, you'll want to make sure that you go back. They're amazing stories. Week two, we talked about the different battles that the Israelites were undergoing. And we discussed the faith and the obedience and how important it is to listen to God. We looked at a couple of times how Joshua was not listening and went ahead and marched against um, the camp of Ai, the town of Ai, and how they were defeated with just a few men. They were defeated. 
Uh, they came back, found out that there was actually sin that was happening, that they, some of the people had uh, taken some of the things that they weren't supposed to take from Jericho, hid it in their tent. We looked at how important it was for us to not have any sin in our life and to be listening to God's instructions. Week three, we looked at how the land was being divided up. And while it was very tedious with lots of description on all of the lands and the, the dividing lines and the boundaries and all of that, we asked ourselves the question, are we and what does our hearts look like as we're receiving the inheritance that God has given us? And where is our appreciation of those gifts of God? We talked about the importance of being grateful when we are finally given those gifts, finally given that inheritance. We looked at some of the struggles that the Israelites had had and asked ourselves the question, what too does our hearts look like? And we unpacked, really out of all of these chapters, we've been unpacking the joys and struggles that the Israelites went through. Their struggle with obeying God, their, their struggle with consistency in listening to God, their consistency in listening to his instruction, especially when it regarded driving out the Canaanites and not intermingling with them as they were worshiping pagan gods. They were worshiping specifically the sun and moon God. And we've read story after story of how God orchestrated a way for them to overcome their enemies, even stopping the sun and the moon so that Joshua could fight. We've asked ourselves, you know, many questions. And as we wrap everything up today in these final verses, I think we need to be asking ourselves, what is our relationship with God? Are we listening to him? Are we having the faith and obedience that, that we need to be to take whatever step of a journey that we're taking with him? And I really believe that as we look at these final chapters, the Lord will bring all of this together for our own walk and our own journey in life. So today we're going to be looking specifically at chapters 19 through 23, closing out uh, the book of Joshua. And uh, we're going to dive right in right now. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to chapter 19. So we're still in the middle of these camps, these uh, tribes receiving their inheritance. Chapter 19 is Simeon's inheritance with Judah. Simeon received 17 cities and surrounding villages. Within the territory of Judah, these cities were scattered rather than neighboring, and eventually the tribe of Simeon was assimilated into Judah, thus fulfilling the prophecy in, in Genesis. Uh, we're reading the territory of Asher stretched from north of Sidon to Mount Carmel on the south. Um, as we're into verse 24, the tribe of Asher prospered as a result of its renowned olive groves in this fertile land, well-watered area. However, they never succeeded in driving out the Phoenicians from the seaport cities of Akko, Tyre, and Sidon. So we're still seeing a theme of, of this 
consistency, the struggle with driving out all of the people groups. And the, what the Lord was telling them was you cannot intermingle with them. Um, remember we talked about how just a little yeast will affect the whole batch. And this wasn't just people that maybe had a different mindset than what you did. This was a people group that were worshiping other gods and would bring that in and would help and distract the Israelite nation from who the true God is. And so there was lots of emphasis on that, making sure that they were aligned with God and they knew who God truly was. When we finish out chapter 19, it talks about the land of Naphtali, the land of Dan, and then it ends with Joshua's inheritance. And so Joshua, in verse 49, it says, When they had made an end of dividing the land as an inheritance according to their borders, the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua, the son of Nun. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked for, Timnath, Sarah, in the mountains of Ephraim, where he built the city and dwelt in it. These were the inheritances which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided as an inheritance by lot in Shiloh before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So they made an end of dividing the country. So all of those books, uh, sorry, chapters that we read were talking about the divisions and, and dividing everything up among the tribes. Now that's done. The division is done. So now they were talking about the cities of refuge, and that's what we see in, in chapter 20. The Lord also spoke to Joshua saying, Speak to the children of Israel saying, Appoint for yourselves cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses. Then the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there. So we, what we need to understand is it was custom among the ancient Near Eastern peoples to demand equal punishment for a crime, whether it was done intentionally or unintentionally. And so what we have today is we have a process, we have a court of law, we have people that are arrested and tried and have a court of law where they appoint whether or not they're guilty or innocent and then they can go off to prison or be released depending on what a jury of their peers decides. Back then, they created cities of refuge that you could flee to and take shelter in until everything was worked out. So what we're reading in chapter 20 is the cities of refuge and how those were designated out. We get to chapter 21 and it talks about the cities of the Levites. Now, if you remember, Levites were a tribe of priests and they were not designated any type of inheritance physically. They were given... Um, just the gifts from the people that were, that were sacrificed to the Lord. So that's what they were. They were priests and they were given those gifts from the people. So this is talking about in chapter 21, the tribe of Levi was to disperse and live in the cities throughout Israel. They were to make provision for the worship of God and teach the law. 
And since they had no land of their own, they were supported by the tithe for God. The, Le the tribe was divided into three clans who descended from the three sons of Levi, the Gershonites, the Kohathites, and the Merarites, and each clan received its cities by sacred lot. So that's what we're reading in 21. We're seeing the division of that for the Levites. And when we get to verse 43, it says, the promise fulfilled. And this is a summary of the first part of the book. In verse 43, so the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. This is such an important word to understand because this passage summarizes the entire first part of the book of the message that God is faithful to the obedient. He has given them their inheritance and he has been faithful with his promises. To the seed of Abraham, he had promised the land of Canaan. He had promised victory and he had promised rest. And that's what is happening now. And when we get into verse 44, it says the Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their land. So I love this, right? God's faithfulness to the generations it doesn't matter when he promised it back to Abraham. It took all of this time, but now it's all come to fruition. And now they've received their inheritance and they've received their promise. And it says in 45, not a word failed of any good thing, which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel, all came to pass. I think sometimes when God promises us something, we want it right now. We want it this minute. And when we look, we read, even though it was tedious and it took all this time and, it, and they had to move all these people from point A to point B. We think of everything that God did and how he orchestrated a way. It took time. And a lot of times, and we've talked about this in the past, we don't have the same perspective that God does. So God is, is looking down on us and he's seeing all of us and how it all needs to come together like this giant puzzle and how this person needs to come over here and this person needs to come over here and how this needs to happen over here to make everything work and move for all these people that are connected and, and that, that all need to receive this promise. But all of those things take time and all of those things working and moving are also working and moving against what the enemy is trying to do. The enemy is coming into all of these things and he's got his own agenda to steal, kill, and destroy. And yet God, God is more powerful and God is making a way with everything that's going on. And so when we ask God for something, when we ask God, we pray to God for something, and we don't get results like that. We got to take a second and think about everything that's happening in the world, every way that God is working and moving, and how things need to come into alignment 
with God's word for him to orchestrate that out. And yet we read here, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. Are you trusting that today? Are you trusting God today that when he has promised you something, it will come to pass? Not in your timing, but in God's. When we come into chapter 22, it says, Eastern tribes returned to the lands. Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days, but you have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord has given you rest and he promised them now therefore return and go to your tents to the land of your possession, which was on the other side of the Jordan. So these three tribes have fulfilled their commitment. They've listened to Joshua. They've helped in conquering everything and giving uh, the people, the other tribes, their lots. Now they need to go back. And, and why is this important? He says, be, but take careful heed to the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded you to love the Lord, your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. He's leaving them with these final words of encouragement to make sure that they are loving the Lord, their God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul. So as they are going back, right. And they're thinking about the distance that's going to be between them and their people. They stop and they build an altar, an altar that looks very much like what's at Shiloh. So the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they had obtained according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan, a great, impressive altar. And when the children of Israel heard about it, they were alarmed. And so they gathered men together and they came over and they questioned these tribes. And they said, what are you doing? The altar of God is in Shiloh. It's over here. Why did you do this? What is your intention? Because Joshua told you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways. And now you're building this altar over here. What's happening? What treachery is this that you have committed against the God of Israel? And so what we read as we're reading through 22 that they did this so that, so that they would not forget. So that later, as these other generations who were living near Shiloh that were worshiping would, would maybe make their way over to the Jordan, that they would not forget that they were all at one time one 
large tribe. And it was a reminder to the people, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, that they were all one, serving the same God, and that people wouldn't forget on both sides. That's what we're reading through chapter 22. So when it was all worked out, it pleased the children of Israel and the children of Israel blessed God. They spoke no more of going against them in battle because they were going to throw down. They were going to fight. They were going to come against them and say, listen, you traveled with us, you fought with us, and now you're turning away from God. So the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness, for it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. So when they get that all figured out, everybody's on the same page again. Joshua is preparing his farewell address to the people. First, he calls together the elders, the heads, the judges, their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God, he has fought for you. I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes for the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. In verse 5, he says, And the Lord your God will expel them before you and drive them out of your sight so that you shall possess the land as the Lord your God promised you. And then these famous words, Therefore be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. You shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. And here is what brings it together. But you shall hold fast to the Lord. Hold fast to the Lord. Your God, as you have done to this day. He's pulled aside the elders and the officers and the people that are in charge. And he's reminded them of what God has done. And he's telling them that they need to hold fast to the Lord. Don't go back. Don't go back. Hold fast to the Lord. Then in 24, it talks about how now Joshua is now addressing the people. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for their elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for the officers that they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, but they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. He's, this, is, this is as if Joshua was speaking prophetically to the people, and it was God speaking through him, and he was reminding everyone, God was reminding everyone of what he's done. 
since Abraham. And he goes all the way through and talks about how they were in Egypt and how he brought them through the Red Sea and, and how he delivered them over the Jordan and how he delivered them to Jericho. He's, he's, God is reiterating and restating everything that he has done through Joshua. And he says in verse 13, I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Joshua gets to the very end, and he says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Are you hearing this consistent theme, this consistent reminder to serve the Lord, to not go back, to move forward, to remember everything that God has done? And in verse 23, he says, Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Another reminder. I think that we struggle with the same things that these people did in this day. Our hearts are distracted. In our flesh, we serve other gods, even though we don't even think we're doing it. The enemy comes in and distracts us and distracts our families and pulls us so that the things that we desire are the things of this world. We want money. We want power. We want physical land. We, we think that, that these things that, that come to us are what's going to make us happy, that these are the things that we need in this world to put our flag in the ground and say, this is ours, this is our promised land, this is what I'm going to work and fight for and live for. And, and while there is part of that is true, part of that is true, and, and as we look at this weekend, as, as Memorial Day weekend, so much of what we're doing is, is fighting for the freedoms that we have been given, fighting to protect our families and our loved ones and our properties. The balance, though, the balance that we have to have as believers is remembering, ultimately remembering that we're standing one foot in this world and one foot in the next. That, that we are not living in our home yet. That our home is an eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. So as we are maturing in Christ and understanding where we fully stand in this world, we have to be looking at those truths. We have to be looking at the truths that we're reading even in Joshua 
that these people were pulled away. There was this constant pull away from God. And, and, they, and Joshua and the elders were constantly reminding them, don't turn away. Don't turn to those other gods. Don't take your eyes off of God. Love him with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Don't be pulled away and distracted by these other things. And that's where we are today. So much of the time we are distracted. When we look at 2 Corinthians 5.1, it says this, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. I love the way Paul describes how we wait for our new bodies in heaven. And he compares our earthly bodies to tents, waiting for our buildings from God. And we could take this imagery and, and apply it to our lives today and say so many times we're living in reverse. God gave the people their promised land a place for them to live in community, but to live with him. The gift wasn't just the land itself, but a place for them to live with him. For him to be with his people. And as we read, you leave Joshua and you get all the way to Malachi before we get into the New Testament, we can see the struggle it was for the people. And the focus was on the land and, the, and what they owned and the property and less about their relationship with God. So you see, God's heart was not just to give them the promise land, but to give them a place where they could live in community with him and that he could be their God and they could be their people, his people. So when we look at this 2 Corinthians 5, 1, we ourselves in our humanness, in our flesh, we like to build our buildings. We like to own the dirt. We like to plant our flags. We like to claim our rights where we, in all actuality, are just passing through. This isn't our home. This that we have right now is, is a tent. A tent where we are going to be building a home in heaven, in eternity, with Jesus. We, we build our kingdoms here on earth we focus on the property, we focus on the power, we focus on the land, and we forget ultimately what God was trying to do, which was to give us this promised land, this place to be with him. And as we've made this journey from Joshua to today, we've intermingled. We've turned away from God. We've focused on the idols. We've worshipped 
things in our flesh, we have forgotten who God truly is and how powerful he truly is and the promised land that he is trying to give us today, which is not in this world. It's in eternity in heaven with him. What would it look like today to embrace eternity, live in our tents, and await our buildings and mansions and promised land in heaven? Would we be happier and more content? Would there be less war and more peace fighting over the soil and the dirt of this world, which will eventually end? Would there be more joy if we could focus on our heavenly home? Here's the thing. God, in their time, was giving them the promised land. Today, God is giving us the promise of eternity. And we need to check our hearts. As we look at everything that they went through, what are we going through today? Are we staying faithful to God in the waiting before our promised land comes to us? When Jesus returns? Are we staying faithful to following God no matter where he's asking us to go? Are we allowing him to go before us and prepare the way just like he did with Jericho? God went before them. The Ark of the Covenant went before them. They blew the shofars. It was almost like God's voice was loudest than over all of the people and supernaturally those walls came down. Supernaturally. So much of what we're doing today is trying to fight in our own strength, forgetting that God is going before us, forgetting that he is as powerful as he is, forgetting that he has told us where he wants to take us. And, and are we allowing him to lead the way? When we compare our lives to the Israelites, as we've read through Joshua, so many times they become confident in, in where they are. They, they overcome something, God has been with them, and then they're confident in themselves. Well, I can do this. This isn't bad. I, 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 can, I can overcome this, this next thing. And we forget that it was God who took us there. We forget that it was God who was going before us. We forget that God had orchestrated a way and moved everything so that we could win that battle, not in our own strength. And just like the people of Joshua, just like Joshua himself, in his confidence, in his name that was being spread throughout the land, he didn't always look to God. Some decisions he made on his own, not consulting God. And we see in those decisions is when he failed. We also have to ask ourselves as we compare ourselves to the Israelites and, and everything that they, they've gone through, are we holding fast to God today? Are we holding fast to him and letting go of everything else? I know as I turn on the news, the devastating news of today, 
that what I could be holding on to is fear. I could be holding on to the problems that I see around me. I could be holding on to the illnesses that I see that are happening around me. I could be holding on to all of the negative things that are happening around me. And I could believe the lies from the enemy that God is not big enough, that God is not in control, that God isn't answering prayer, that God doesn't love me, that God doesn't forgive me. And all of the lies that he continues to tell me, I could be holding on to all of those things. Or I could hold on to God's word. I could hold on to his promises. I could hold fast to the Lord and let go of everything else. I could hold on to his promises and know that he has a promised land waiting for me in heaven. But what do I need to do to get there? I need to take the same journey as the Israelites did. Looking away from all the other idols, looking away from all the people that could distract me from my journey, focusing on God, faithfully taking step after step in obedience to everything he is calling me to do, focusing on him, not turning from the left or to the right, taking one step at a time, allowing the Lord to go before me and prepare the way, trusting and believing in all of his promises so that one day I too would receive my inheritance in heaven. And the Father would say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have done everything I have asked you to do. Where are we on this journey? Who are we like? Are we like the Canaanites who are serving these pagan gods, worshiping the sun and the moon, worshiping money and power and property, worshiping the idea of people pleasing, worshiping what we want in our flesh? Or are we the Israelites who need to turn away from all of those other things and focus on God, holding fast to God today. I don't know what situation you are in. I don't know what you're holding on to today, but I want to encourage you to let it go. The only thing that we can afford to hold on to today is God himself. Nothing else matters when you're looking at the big scheme of things, the big picture, the short time that we actually will live here in this world and the eternity, the day after day after day after day, eternity that we will have in heaven in our true promised land, living with God in community with him. That needs to be our focus. These tents are only temporary. We have an eternity in heaven in our promised land. Do you want it today? Do you want to grab onto it? Hold fast. Amen. Let's pray.
Father God, I thank you for your truth. I thank you that despite everything that's happening in the world today, Lord, we are grateful that you are still on the throne. We are grateful that you are still in control, that you are working and moving, preparing our promised land for all of us. And I just pray in the waiting, Lord, that we will remain faithful, that we will not serve other gods, other fake gods, gods of this world, that we will only serve you. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be obedient. Help us to focus on you, Lord. Help us to hold fast to you. We know that we have an enemy, the devil, and you tell us in your word that he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But today we stand together united in our faith as believers, as sons and daughters of the Most High King, and we rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name, and he is not allowed to manifest in our families or in our lives or in our communities or in our schools or in our churches. We stand together, we stand in the gap, and we stand firm, holding fast to you. You are our true north. Help us, Lord, each day, one step at a time, to stay focused on you. We love you and praise you and thank you and ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus, who saves. Amen. Thank you. I know Joshua was a challenging book and there were lots of things to go through, but I believe when we can lean into the uncomfortable, lean into the challenging, that that is where we can really grow and learn everything that the Lord has for us. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for being here. Be back next week as we have more of God's truth to unpack in the new things that he wants to do. But until then, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.